Well, do you think someone can be demon-possessed? You know, last week we had uh, looked at a miraculous story where Jesus had taken a strong storm and was able to make it calm with just his, just his voice. His disciples were trapped in a boat out in the middle of a lake. A storm came up, and, and Jesus was asleep the entire time. And after the disciples had tried to bail themselves out, they, they decided it would be best to get Jesus involved. And after they wake up Jesus, Jesus stands up and rebukes the storm and says, Quiet, be still. And the scriptures tell us that the storm stopped and there was, there was calm. And we put that into an application within our lives, and, and we recognize the truth that God is in control. God is in control, even in the storms and even in the calm, God is in control. And we had said that if we just welcome, if we invite God into our chaos, God will make us calm. If we just welcome God into our problem, God will become the prince of, our, of peace in, in our life. And uh, we, we, we understood something that was very, very basic. God is in control, and anything under God's control is never out of control. And we, we parted with something like this. If you can rest in the fact that God is in control, then you can rest when things seem out of control. And right after they had come to the security of the shoreline, right after that giant storm and everything was calm again, and they started unloading their gear out of the boat, they were approached by a man that was demon-possessed. He, he was enraged and crazed. He was, a, he was a, a nude dude in a rude mood, if you want to remember the story. Mark chapter 5, let's turn there together. Maybe you don't have a Bible with you. There's one in the chair rack in front of you. It's page 815. And uh, three guys in the Gospels, the, the Bible, wrote down this account, Matthew, Luke, and Mark. And their writings are often referred to as the Gospels. And you're saying, well, what's the Gospel? The Gospel is just a, a way to say good news. Well, and you're saying, what's the good news? And the good news is this. God created this world perfectly. We broke it willfully. And Jesus Christ has restored it totally. That's the good news. And what we see here is this power that Jesus has over nature and the power that he has over our life, the power that he has over spirits, the power that he has over impurity to deliver us from our demons, to deliver us from the things that hold us back and keep us from, from really living for God and finding purpose and meaning in this world. Look at Mark chapter 5. Let's start in verse 2. I just want to knock out some of the transformational points because what was on the screen had given us the full context of the story today. Mark 5, verse 2, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains. We're now in verse 4 of Mark chapter 5. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to, su to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out, and cut himself with stones. Now, let's just stop there for a second. And let me just point out to you that this guy was physically freed. He was able to bust the chains and live how he wanted to live. But he was spiritually chained still. And when my spirit isn't free, friend, nothing about me is free. And that's true of myself and that's true of you also. There are so many people, maybe you included, that are physically free, maybe mentally free. But you haven't found any kind of purpose in this world yet. You're not spiritually free. You're, you're physically free and you're mentally free, but everything is amiss in your life right now. And you can't seem to break away from the hurts, the habits, and the hang-ups that have held you back for too long. You're not free. You're not spiritually free. And if you're not spiritually free, nothing in your life is going to feel free. You see, you and I, we're all created like God. Uh, the, the scriptures say we were created in His image. Sometimes you can take that and say we were created in His likeness, but what is that likeness really? No, God is three parts. He is God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. We call that the Trinity. 
And I don't really understand all that. I just know that God can be what he desires to be. And if the three can be one, God can be that. But I do understand it within myself, within my, my own nature. Because you and I are all kind of a trinity of sorts. There is, there is body, and there is soul, and there is spirit. And every single person is body, soul, and spirit. The soul and the spirit is something that is eternal. It's going to live on long past your body does. The body is just the container of those vessels. Thank goodness the body is just the container of those vessels. As the older I get, man, sometimes I just look in the mirror and I go, what is going on with me? How can hair grow out of these kinds of places, right? (laughs) The soul and the spirit are eternal. The body is one day going to fade away. It's temporary. And Christ didn't come to redeem the body. He didn't come to restore the body. It's temporary. He came to restore the soul, and to catch this, restore the soul and replace our spirits. Did you catch the difference? He came to restore our soul. That's our, our, our psyche, our personality. That's staying with you. And he came to replace our spirit. Why the replacement of the spirit? Because my spirit's damaged. My spirit's wrought with evil. My spirit's wrought with sin. And God connects to us with that spirit. It's like the Wi-Fi connection. He connects with us. Through his spirit, and Jesus Christ came to restore the soul and to replace the spirit. And that man that Jesus met that day had an impure spirit. Did you catch it? He had an impure spirit. And the word impure there is kind of a nice way to say that this guy had lived a life of disgrace. That this guy was an embarrassment to society and also an embarrassment to him himself. He was filled with evil outwardly and inwardly. This impure spirit had made a mess of his body and made a mess of his soul. Why? Because when my spirit isn't free, nothing else is. And his family and his friends couldn't handle him, so they pushed him off. They didn't know what to do with him. They couldn't heal him, so they they just sent him away. They tried to chain him up, bind him up, throw him to the graveyard outside of the city, and he just howled at the moon and cut himself and act like a crazy man. But, But he wasn't being controlled by himself any longer, we're told that he was controlled by evil spirits. So he had this like uh, supernatural power where he could break free from the chains that the humans had bound him with, and then he could continue his self-destruction and terrorizing of the city. Friends, when your spirit isn't free, nothing about you is going to be free. And when this man spotted Jesus, what's the first thing he did? He ran to the shoreline and met Jesus at the shoreline. He met Jesus at the shoreline. And he shouted out to Jesus. Look at these words in Mark chapter 5, verse 7. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. We're now in verse 8. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? Now let's just say this together. You might have a different translation in front of you, but let's just say this to get his name together. He says, my name is Legion, for we are many. Interesting that the word legion is uh, this meaning of 2,000, that maybe there's even 2,000 demons that were in this man. He was crazed. Uh, This man was just out of control, but he was being controlled by demons. And I think it's interesting that, that the demons recognize the authority and the power of Jesus immediately. And after the man runs to Jesus They recognize the authority that Jesus has over them. So here's the question that I started off with. Can someone be possessed? You know what the answer to that is? Yes. They can be possessed, and they can also be oppressed. And it's very real. But none of you should fear this, because Satan cannot willfully take possession or oppression over someone unless they just welcome him into their life. That's to say, 
Satan cannot get in your house unless you open up the door to them. So let me tell you about one way you open up the door. And that's through uh, things like uh, the occult or wizardry or sorcery or witchcraft or mediums. I don't know how you define it, but I know it's this. It's the involvement of asking for some supernatural power, some supernatural insight, and saying, God, I don't want you included in it. You're saying, well, that's, that's crazy, Saturn. No, it's not. First Samuel verse, or chapter 28, King Saul, the king of Israel, first king of Israel, he wants to inquire of some advice, and he goes and he tries to seek it out with God, and God is saying, I need you to be patient here, and he's not willing to be patient with God, so he seeks out a medium, a, a witch. She's called the Witch of Endor. Some of your Star Wars geeks are like, I know that name. I know Endor, right? Yeah, George Lucas found that in the Bible. And he seeks out the Witch of Endor. And she has this supernatural power to call on the dead, resurrected. I don't know what she was able to do, but then the dead shows up and speaks to Saul. I, I don't understand all that. I don't get it. It's a spiritual, supernatural realm that I'm not aware of completely. Some of you hear this story and you think, that's fake stuff, man. That is as fake as it's going to be fake. There aren't demons. There's not supernatural stuff. There's no devil. It's just all a figment of people's imagination. I don't believe in that stuff. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, Jesus did. And Jesus does. He saw people that were oppressed and oppressed and possessed, and he'd look at them and he'd say, evil, come out of you. That evil spirit, come out, and let me replace it with my spirit so you can connect with God. And he identified people. He identified people that were possessed, and he cast out that evil. Jesus claimed that Satan and the demons were indeed real. Some of you look at that story and you say, you know what? That story is a little bit fanciful for me. I, I just don't know. Or you take it like this and you say, everything now is based on demon activity. Everything now is based on, uh, on Satan's activity. And like you get a sickness and you're playing, in, in the Christ's name I compel you, come out of him, right? Or every, every little mental health issue in this world, you're claiming every mental health issue on, on demonic activity that demons have taken over that person. You just get fanciful with it. You know when... The, the phrase, God bless you, came about after someone sneezed centuries ago. People had thought that evil spirits were in people that sneezed. And so when they sneezed, the evil spirits had a chance to get out. And so before the evil spirits could come back in, they would say, God bless you, so that they wouldn't enter in, in, into the body again. It, it's interesting. Every time I smell pepper, evil spirits leap out of me. Listen, not every sickness, not every sneeze is induced by Satan or his demons. And some of you hear about evil and the supernatural realms, and, and you say, well, it's factual. It's not fake. It's not, you don't get fanciful about it. You just say, it's, it's factual, and it's biblical. It's biblical, and you've recognized that Satan might have power, but it's limited power. He doesn't have any kind of power like God has power. Actually, he's not even opposite of God. He's, he's not even close compared to God. Satan is a created being. And he doesn't have the same powers as God. Friends, some of you in here, you think Satan can know my thoughts. No, he can't. He's not God. Some of you think, well, Satan's everywhere. No, he's not. He's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at once. We're told not a lot about Satan in the scriptures, and I think it's because God doesn't see Satan anymore as a worthy adversary. He doesn't see him as a worthy enemy anymore, but we do. Jesus tells us, no, Satan's days are numbered, and we need to just be reminded of that, that Satan's days are numbered. In a sense, he's been mortally wounded. 
The cross of Jesus Christ has delivered a death blow to the devil. And the day that Christ was crucified, Satan might have laughed with delight because he thought he'd won. But three days later, when Christ was victorious over death and over sin, Satan knew that he was crushed, just like the prophecy in the book of Genesis said he would be. I heard the story of a man who uh, volunteered at his church Sunday school. Uh, he felt guilty because he knew he should get involved in, in uh, ministering somewhere, so he decided, I'll just go help out with the third grade boys class. He didn't even like kids, but just to get the guilt off of his back, he decided to, to go to the class, and he recognized that those kids didn't pay attention. They were disrespectful to his authority, and he just had it with their antics one day, and so he grabbed one of the, the, the main troublemakers by the shoulders and just started to shake him. He says, son, I think Satan's got a hold on you, and the little boy looked up and said, yeah, so do I. You know, the devil might have, might have a hold on us in different ways, in different degrees, but take comfort, friends. God has delivered the death blow to Satan. His days are numbered. And some of you wonder, why is it then in the scriptures that the demonic activity seems so strong then to compare to today? Well, scholars would say that demonic activity might have taken place more in greater ways when Jesus was around in Jesus' day because Satan was doing all he could to stop the redemption of you and me. He was doing all he could to stop us from having a restored soul and a new spirit. And maybe, I don't know, I can't say exactly why it is, but I can tell you that this guy approached Jesus, this guy approached Jesus, and those demons immediately, immediately recognized the power of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 10. Through 14, it says the demons begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. Verse 11, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside, and the demons begged Jesus, just send us amongst the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out. Where'd they go? Into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep embankment into the lake and were drowned. So they went uncontrolled. They went crazy. They were now possessed. Verse 14, those tending the pigs, wait a minute, that was someone's property. That was someone's valuables in the field out there. 2,000 pigs, that's worth a lot of money. Those people watching the pigs, they ran off and they reported all this to the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. Like everybody's out there gulking. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed, and I love this, by, by the legion of demons, sitting there. What was he sitting there? He was dressed in his right mind, not embarrassed anymore, not disgraced anymore, dressed. Not the nude dude in a rude mood. And they were now afraid. They were now afraid because of the transformation that this man had gone to. The radical transformation that Jesus had brought when this man was set free and liberated spiritually not just physically. I think one of the most overlooked points of this story is this, that Jesus uses his power not to oppress me, but to free me. I am just blown away about how many people, especially church people, think if I welcome Jesus into my life, this thing that I call life, this party that I'm searching for, this experience day after day is all over for me. Like Jesus is not going to let me have fun. Jesus is not going to let me uh, really live it up in the moment. Like, if we welcome Jesus into, the, into my world, it's going to be uneventful, it's going to be boring, it's going to be kumbaya every single day. I mean, what, a, what fun is that? And you have seen Jesus now. You've seen Jesus now as the oppressor. You've seen Jesus now as the one that is the incarcerator, not the liberator. You see Jesus now as the, the slave master, 
not the Savior. Now tell me this. If that's your view, tell me this. Why was this man isolated to the graveyard on the outskirts of town? Because he was crazy, right? No, because society couldn't fix him. They tried. Friends and family did everything they could. You know they did. And they chained him up ultimately and threw him to the graveyard and said, we can't have you here. You're not worth it to us anymore. Actually, they probably said something like, you're too far gone. You ever thought someone was just too far gone? Like, God can't use them. They can't be saved. So we'll just chain you up. We'll throw you to a place that's some obscure place that no one is ever going to find you here. You're not going to hurt anybody. And, and God forbid, you hurt yourself. And people just gave up on this guy. But God didn't. Because no one is too far gone for God to redeem. Friends, you need to remember that. No one is too far gone for God to redeem. This world pushed this man away and cast him aside. But Jesus, he pulled this man in close and he cast the demons aside. And there's a vast difference there. He wanted the sinner, but he cast out the sin. You see, this world and its solutions couldn't fix this guy. Hey, this world and its solutions can't fix you either. You've got a spiritual problem. I've got a spiritual problem, not a physical problem. And there ain't a pill you can take that can solve that. There's not enough schedules for a counselor that you can have to get that out and solved. There is not enough therapy that you can go through that can bring comfort. There's no surgery that you can have that's going to solve that problem. This man had a spiritual struggle. And when the spirit is tormented, so is your body and so is your soul. One thing that God is teaching me right now is that evil and people that seem to be bent on evil and do bad things can be saved. You're going, come on, man. You should know that. You're a preacher. You know. No, no. As a preacher, you get jaded by this stuff. Like, I've been in this thing for a long, long time, almost two decades now. You get jaded by stuff. And you get people coming in your doors, and, and you hear their stories, and you meet people that their mind is so scrambled, you never see anything like this. And you think there is no way that this person's ever going to be able to put the gospel together, to live for Jesus, and, and make some kind of cognitive thought out of this. There's just no way. Or you meet people that are just so bent on evil, so deep into darkness, and you just think there is no way that this person is ever going to allow a little bit of light in their life and allow a little bit of truth to enter in and give their life over to Jesus. And just as quick as I think that, and every time I limit God's power, God comes in and he brings salvation and he redeems those people that I thought were too far, too far gone. Man, I've witnessed that hundreds of times. So parents, here's what I'm saying to you. You got, a, you got a kid that has given up on their faith and you think they're crazy. Like what is controlling them now? They are not too far God that God cannot redeem. You keep praying for them, you keep loving them. Hey, spouse, you got, you got a spouse that doesn't have to share the same faith you do and, and now you've, you've talked about it for so long. And they're just saying like, I don't want to hear none of that God stuff anymore. I don't want to hear Christian radio when we get in the car. I don't want nothing more to do with it. And for the sake of the marriage, you're, you're doing the best you can to keep your mouth closed and turn off the radio and, and not let this Jesus influence your spouse. Let me tell you something. Your spouse is not too far gone that he cannot be redeemed by God. You keep praying and loving that spouse. You got a client, they're in the office all the time. They're begging you for a new script. 
they're going to take that prescription drug and they're going to go further with it than it was made or intended to do. And you're going, man, they're, they are just burnt. All they're looking for is so high on life. Friend, that client is not so far gone that God cannot redeem that soul and that spirit. See, our earthly methods, they aren't working. They aren't working because they can't deal with the spirit. They can't deal with the soul. And thank goodness that God, God has the remedy for the soul and the spirit that's in anguish. God has the remedy for it. His name is Jesus. And Jesus is the liberator, not the incarcerator. Jesus is the one that wants to set you free from the things that hold you back and haunt your spirit. And today, today you might be even thinking, you know what? I'm too far gone. I'm too far gone. Like, this guy has no idea who he's talking here today. I crawled in here from under a rock, it feels like. I just barely made my way. I'm too far gone. Friend, no, you're not. You tell me, at what point does God say, enough, done, that's it? Where's the line? Where's the line? God, God has no one. See, humans have limited grace. God has lavish grace. That's how God operates. Now, I know you're not used to that because you have been in environments where grace has had an end. And God says grace has no end, which just leads to this point. God's grace is greater than any human condition. It's greater than your condition. God's grace is greater than any human condition. Let me tell you the answer, the one-word answer to the mess that you call life. Grace grace. God's grace. Let's never forget that this congregation is made up of worshipers and doubters. In this room sits all sorts of people. This congregation is made up of those who are committed, those who are casual, those who are callous, those who are critics of Christ Jesus. So whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever your condition is, God's grace is available to you. And this is not a place that looks down our nose at you because maybe you're far from God rather than drawing near. No, this is not a place that's just made for church people. This is a place that is made up of those who are being saved by Jesus Christ. And we welcome more sinners who can be saved by Jesus as well. Friends, God's grace is available to you. It's available to everyone. Here's how scripture put it. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be, let's say it out loud, saved. You believe that? Or are people too far gone in your world? Are people in your family too far gone? Is your work environment and those people there, are they too far gone? Because if we truly believe that scripture, we'll do everything we can to empower ourselves for the spirit to shine through to get them to hear the gospel. That God, God made this world perfectly. We broke it willfully. And Jesus Christ came to redeem it totally. Your soul and your spirit can be re renewed and replaced. You see, you come as you are to Jesus, and you're changed by who he is. Friends, grace comes only through Jesus Christ. And that's what that man found that day. That's why he ran to the shoreline as his only last desperate hope, that grace only comes through Jesus Christ. It doesn't come through Muhammad. It doesn't come through Confucius or the Pope. Friends, it doesn't come through Joyce Myers. And it doesn't come through me, it doesn't come through your own good works, it only comes through Jesus. And, and that's why this congregation exalts Christ, because grace only comes through Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can solve our sin problem. He's the only one that can renew my soul and replace my spirit so I can connect with God. And I know it might seem like kind of like a narrow-minded idea, but all roads do not lead to God. All roads do not lead to God. Jesus had this teaching. He had said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life that no one comes to the Father except through me. And you say, boy, that sounds pretty narrow-minded. No, it doesn't. 
Listen, if you wanted to come to church here today, you had to take Highway 57 to get here. You could have drove Highway 50, Business 50 all day long, but if you didn't get onto 57, you would have never got here because all roads do not lead to Bethany Christian Church. One road does. And only one road leads to Jesus, or to God, rather, and that's through Jesus. And, and it's free, and it's received by faith, and it's for everyone, but you got to come to Jesus to receive that grace. You see, this man was possessed. He was possessed. He could break free think of things physically, but not spiritually, and he needed Jesus for him to break free. What did he need to break free from? Sin. Sin. That's our problem. That's the very thing that we need to be set free from, the chains that keep us shackled to the things that we can't control, to be redeemed and have all of our days redeemed, to have our spirit and our soul set free so that we can make a difference in this world and have purpose in this world and, and live for Jesus. But, but I'm not going to quote this for you. The moment that you decide to make a step for, for Christ, the moment that you decide to, to give your life over to him and find freedom over the things that have bound you and changed you for too long, I'll tell you what, people in your world, they aren't going to respond well to you because they're not going to get it. Because they're going to constantly look at you as who you once were, not who you are now in Jesus. Let's get in the story, verse 15 of Mark 5. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Verse 16, those who had seen him told the people what had happened, that the demon-possessed man had and told him about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus and to leave their region. Jesus, get out of here. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Begged to go with him. When your spirit is free, it changes you from the inside out. And this man was finally back in his right mind. He was changed so significantly that the people in his world didn't even recognize him. They were afraid by the radical change that had happened around him. And, and when you give your life over to Jesus and your spirit is redeemed, not everyone's going to understand it. Matter of fact, they're going to be very skeptical of you. Like if you find today this is the day of your salvation and you come back to work tomorrow and say, man, I gave my life to Christ yesterday. I was baptized and had my spirit replaced. You probably wouldn't say that, but you say, I got saved. They're going to look at you skeptically. Because they know who you were, not who you are now in Christ, that you've been set free. You see, humans have limited grace. God has lavish grace. Are you catching the difference here? I think to simply put it and to close it out is Jesus sets us free. Jesus sets you free. And you may be trapped right now in a sin that you can't overcome. It's controlling you. Like you're addicted to alcohol or you're addicted to meth and you need both of those or one of those to get you through the day because that's the only way you can make it through it. No. God can set you free. Jesus can break those chains. That's a spiritual issue. Maybe you're thinking, every time I go home from work, work is such a nightmare and such a mess, I need, I need weed to unwind. Jesus can set you free. Or you need painkillers that go beyond the prescription to survive. No, Jesus can set, set you free, not the world's remedies. Or maybe you're saying, man, every time for me, I'm a slave to sexual pleasure, and I just use pornography, and I use people because I, I need to relieve my stress, and I need to be wanted and loved. Would you just think about it this way for a moment? If you do not have control over it, then you're a slave to it. If you don't have control over it, you can't stop yourself from it. You are a slave to it. And I'm just here to tell you, Jesus can set you free. He can set you free from it. So you might have a mental disorder, or maybe a, a 
uh, emotional scars that have come into play over, over a long period of time from something from your past. And, and now it's hard to make friends because every time someone gets close, you just push them away. Jesus can transform your personality because he can set you free. You might have so much bitterness in your life, it just pops out of you. You just get angry and you get mad towards people that you love and you shouldn't be, and you just lash out. Jesus can set you free from that anger. Maybe you have a hard heart towards somebody and you don't want to repair the relationship. It's broken and you don't want to, you don't care. You just like being hard-hearted and callous about it. Jesus can set you free from that and help to restore the relationship. Here's how the Bible says about it. Jesus gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, all that stuff, to cleanse us, to make us right, to take out the impure spirit and to replace it with his and to make us his very own people, his children, totally committed to doing good deeds. Friends, never underestimate the power of our God to set you free. I'll tell you what, too, you can, you can talk hard, you can live hard, but you ain't hardcore until you live hardcore. A lot of you guys know this guy? Like, yeah, man, he wrote the anthem to the last days of school for me, right? School's out for you. are like, stop singing. That's it. That was my anthem on the last day of school. Alice Cooper School's out for summer, and man, preachers used to warn parents about this guy, like, don't let your kid listen to Alice Cooper in the 70s, 80s, and all the way through the 90s, three decades of of shock rock, glamour rock, godfather of it, right here. This is the dude who's biting off heads, right, of of bats and birds, and also, he's doing every antic on stage, and people would say, if he's doing those antics on stage, then he's doing crazier or or greater antics in, in, in private. Man, he was a wild child. The preacher's looking to say he's full of the devil and possessed by Satan. He might have had a calloused heart, but one day God punched through that calloused heart because why? People are not too far gone to be redeemed. One day, Alice Cooper gave his life over to Jesus Christ. He was born again. And he's, here's what he said about his born again experience. Drinking is easy. Trashing hotel rooms is easy. Being a Christian that's tough. That's true rebellion. Jesus is the chain breaker. And church, I don't want you to ever look down your nose when people find freedom in Jesus. And there are many of you in this room right now, you're looking down your nose at people who have given their life to Christ, but there's still some inward stuff going on and it hasn't gotten outward yet in them. You be patient with them. You be patient with what's called sanctification, becoming more like Jesus with them. You ain't there yet either, nor are they. And there are some that are being transformed on the inside out, and it just hasn't got to the outside yet. And and when Jesus cast out these demons, he drove them into pigs, and, and it costs someone something. And those pigs were valuable. They were worth money, someone's livelihood. It cost someone something for this man to be set free and to be saved. Let's just say it like this. There's always a sacrifice for someone to be saved. Church, you know this. If you've been with us for a long time, and we're asking you to give up seats so more people can find a seat. It's a sacrifice. We're asking you to serve so we can minister to the more that are coming. That's a sacrifice. We're asking you to give so that the kingdom of God can be pressed out into this region and further, that's a sacrifice. So more buildings can be built, so more people can gather, so more people can hear about Jesus Christ in places like Vincennes and other regions. And let me just say this, if, you're, if, you're, if you want to be a Christian that is comfortable, this is the wrong congregation for you. For whatever reason, God has been using this place called Bethany and the people 
of this place. And every time he demands a sacrifice of, of us, doesn't he? And every time we sacrifice, what happens? More people come in to be saved. Because there's always a sacrifice for someone to be saved. So now the Bible tells it. But God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you catch the sacrifice? Why we were still sinning. We weren't where we should be. We weren't what we were called to be. Yet Jesus sacrificed and he, he saved us. He set us free. I'll tell you what, the least I can do for him is if he died for me, I, I can live for him. If Jesus died for me, I can live for him because that's what this guy did. His life is transformed. He says, Jesus, hold up the boat for a second. Let me just hang out with you. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Your, your best work, your best work, man, is going to be going back into town. Yeah, they don't like me there. They're skeptical of me. Yeah, but your best work is going back to your friends and your family and the people that know you, who can see the radical difference I'm making in you. And you tell all those people about the great chain breaker who restores the spirit or who restores the soul and replaces the spirit so there can be connection with God. Friends, some of you today, you need to stop running from God and start running to God and meet him at the shoreline to set you free, to restore your soul and to replace your spirit. And finally, today, for the first time ever, connect with God, find purpose, live free, and be a difference maker.